0: In the week that we backed British Farming, the children have also completed their first full week back to school. So we will be finding out what the Lincolnshire Showground have planned to support them. So it's a really fantastic educational experience for
1: primary school children to learn and have lots of fun and learning all about what's great about
0: our county. With the harvest pretty much in now, what is the straw quality like and how will this affect the livestock farmers? Quantity of the straw animals, so the quality is lower this year than it normally is. And we catch up with the young farmers and how they kept going through lockdown. To make sure that we kept all our members together staying in touch
2: and feeling like they have got that support network around them.
0: Plus, we have the agronomy and grain reports followed by the five-day forecast for the week ahead.
3: In agriculture
4: this is the farming program
0: good morning it's Ellie Codling with you again this week as Steve has a little holiday I hope you've had a much better week with the drier conditions we've seen now let's take a look at the farming headlines. First Milk, the British farmer-owned cooperative, announced that its October milk price will remain the same amid the uncertainties of Brexit and COVID-19. A liquid litre will be held at the current 27.25 pence per litre. It is currently Organic September, a month-long campaign to raise awareness of the benefits of organic food and farming. The initiative by the Soil Association and Organic Trade Board is to promote farming, food, textiles and beauty and well-being from producer to consumer. Now is your house a lot quieter and calmer now the children are back into the routine of school? Well with this in mind, Andy Marsh caught up with Rosie Crust, the Education Development Manager from the Lincolnshire Showground to see how they are supporting schools this term. So our next educational event is Lincolnshire Day, so last year we welcomed um,
1: 500 children to the Lincolnshire Showground to celebrate Lincolnshire, obviously Lincolnshire Day. Obviously, we can't do that this year due to the um, COVID-19, but we wanted to still provide something for the schools across the county. So we decided to, um, as a stepping stone to this year, to use the Lincolnshire Show online platform, and we're hosting Lincolnshire Day online, which is on Thursday, the 1st of October. So it's a really fantastic educational experience for primary school children to learn and have lots of fun learning all about what's great about our county.
5: Obviously, a lot of things that you were able to do last year that you can't do now. But what are you able to do in terms of putting it online?
1: As I say, we're using the online show platform, so there'll be six different sections where we'll have videos, timetables throughout the day. There'll be different resources for schools to be able to access, such as worksheets, recipes, and links to web pages. But we'll be able to sort of celebrate what's great about our county in the following section. So we've got farming in Lincolnshire, we've got animals, Lincolnshire breeds, and Lincolnshire kitchen, where we've got some Lincolnshire chefs and producers demonstrating cooking with their fantastic produce. There's a heritage and aviation section... We've got a coast and country section and we've got a sports section. So basically schools will be able to pick and choose the videos and the areas that they are interested in and linked into their curriculum to still sort of learn about Lincolnshire Day.
5: Obviously, it's not quite what you'd have wanted, but how important is it that you have some sort of presence and you get them thinking about this uh, during this rather difficult time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as the Agricultural Society, we're so passionate about Lincolnshire and all that it offers, and we're taking it as a great opportunity to be able to cater and reach out to even more schools across the county. So last year, we had a, a capacity, because obviously it was in the buildings, but this year we're able to engage with a much uh, higher reach of children. So hopefully, you know, all the schools across the county will um, be able to get involved. So it's really good to be able to have that, make connections with different schools who maybe wouldn't normally utilize or access our program
5: now i know you're very successful with the tractors in schools campaign things obviously are a lot different but are you able to sort of build on that in any way over the next six months
1: yeah i mean we are still going to do all our education programs obviously it will have to be adapted and it will have to be flexible with the, you know the covid 19 myself and susie who works with me in the education department you know are happy and will be able to go into schools and offer different programs and resources they so like tractors into schools, we'll still go ahead. Obviously, we're in um, contact and liaison with schools all the time to see what we can offer and what services they require and how we can support them with you know, embedding food and farming into the curriculum. We are still going to do our education programme. It'll just be in a different format, current climate at the moment. 20th of September, Sunday the 20th, we've got Sunday Funday. Basically, it's a brand new event that we are organising at the showground just to allow visitors to come and enjoy our outdoor, spacious, family-friendly environment. And we've got some different attractions and entertainment for families to come and enjoy. So we've got the giant tortoises coming, we've got falconry displays, We've got um, a countryside ring with different attractions in. So we really just wanted to give families, you know, the opportunity to come to the showground, to enjoy the wide open spaces, have something to look forward to after this period of time that we've been through.
0: Thanks, Rosie, and I hope you get good weather for the family fun day as you've been gathering in the harvest have you noticed the quality of the straw does there seem to be a general lack of it too with it being a difficult harvest we chatted to minty willoughby dairy farmer near oldford to find out more on the quantity and quality of straw
6: well as you say it's been a difficult harvest i think the quantity of the straw and also the quality is lower this year than it normally is we were quite fortunate in that um, we swapped farmyard manure for straw with our neighbours and they got harvested quite early so that, that we got earlier was, was much better but it is going to be very short this year for those that have to buy it.
5: Uh, to what extent, I mean just how much are we down where we would be under an average year?
6: I would say we're somewhere a quarterish down personally what we've done um, I seem to have done a lot of acres for the bales we've got. I would say that we're about quarter down on average, but it'll be worse in some places than others.
5: Uh, does your experience reflect what other people are telling you as well? Is it similar, about a quarter maybe across the country, across Lincolnshire?
6: I would say Lincolnshire is very difficult to sort of estimate because we are in the marsh where we tend to be a bit heavier land, we tend to hold on to a bit of moisture and we would have good early growth with the straw, whereas up on the wolds, it tends to be a little bit thinner anyway. But I would, say with, I would say on average we're somewhere a quarter to a third down on what we normally are. But the biggest thing now will be anything that's got from now on is the quality because obviously when it's got wet and dry and wet and dry it goes brittle it gets to be shorter straw, not as good at all as it was with the earlier
5: you're talking about the uh, quantity and the quality there how do you feel roughly it's going to affect prices
6: prices will be higher obviously we don't personally we're in a fortunate position where we've never actually had to buy straw due to a swap system but it's obviously going to be higher because there isn't the there isn't the quantity out there We are now in an industry where there are more draws on the draw than just livestock farmers because we've got the power industry and things like that, but a lot of people bail straw for that.
5: I was going to ask about livestock farmers. I mean, a little bit more detail on that. How will it affect them if it is as down as much as you say?
6: Yeah, well, we're dairy farmers. We are fortunate in the fact that we've got some good quality forage this year because we would sometimes feed draw to some of our sort of younger stock but obviously we won't be doing that this year we will keep stuff we will keep it for bedding as much as we can but i think those that have to rely on having to purchase it all it's going to be very very hard for them well we're quite good us farmers we tend to be we we cut our off accordingly we shall leak it out as much as we can
5: if there is going to be a little bit of a shortage of straw, is there any alternative to that?
6: Not really. I mean, there, there will be. There are some people that use things like wood chips for bedding on. There'll be some people that have failed other types of straw. There'll be a lot of rape straw that's been bailed where the rape was good, bean straw, pea straw, that sort of thing. People will get what they can. If you are on a straw-based system, it does tend to be straw.
0: Well, that sounds like a great arrangement with the neighbouring farmer you have there, Minty. Thanks for your time. OK, let's get an update from Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning,
3: Sean. Yes, a very good morning to you Ellie and once again on behalf of every farmer and advisor in the county, thank you for another week of Ellie coddling weather marvellous, we've managed to get a bit more harvest done. Right, let's jump straight in with oilseed rape. We said last week we were picking up these tiny little 1 and 2 millimetre hatchling slugs that were pinching off oilseed rape before it was actually coming through the ground in some cases. That problem has increased be very, very vigilant it is a growing issue. If you establish oilseed rape using a subsoil system you the default result is that you get clodier open seed beds where the seed is and that's the default position for slugs because they don't channel through the soil and burrow through the soil like worms they rely upon you to leave air pockets and gaps. so potentially everything is in their favor in a season like this so get your slug traps out layers mash under a tile or um, a bit of crushed up wheat underneath a black bin liner with some clods on the top to stop it blowing away that's perfectly acceptable it'll give you an idea of what's going on but above all be vigilant, get out there and look for that damage and see if you can find it you can apply up to 7 kilos of a 3% or 14 kilos of a 1.5% metaldehyde pellet 210 grams of active between the 1st of August 31st of December, do not apply metaldehyde within 10 metres of a water course personally I don't use them on the headlands I prefer to use ferrous phosphate they work just as well and it's the number of bait points which is the key when it comes to controlling those slugs now, the other thing we thought might happen has happened, and that is cabbage stem flea beetle. Adults have now found these emerging oilseed rape crops, and we can start to see those levels of shot holing increasing. Have a look at last year's oilseed rape stubbles. If you're not yet finding them in the growing crop, the new drill crop, that'll give you an idea of when they're on the move. Gauge the numbers of adults which are out there by the damage that you're seeing. Remember, 25% of leaf area loss between cot and two true leaves is your trigger to go out there and try and intervene with some pyrethroid, But as long as the crop is not being eaten faster than it's outgrowing it, that damage, then you should be okay. Have a look. Use some water traps to check the beetle numbers. But assess that percentage leaf area before you go out and spray. And if you're going to put a pyrethroid on, then for goodness sake, make sure you're actually hitting the adults. There's no point spraying unless you can do that. Last year we found going out after dark did make a huge difference with our levels of success but unless you're hitting the adult you're not spending your money wisely or your time wisely and do manage your expectations because all of those other things you chuck in with the buckwheat and fenugreek and bursine clover and curry plants and leaving tall stubbles, using pod stick non-ionic surfactants, applying slurries all of those things bring a tiny little bit but the most important thing as I keep saying is to have a good competitive crop which is outgrowing that damage remember September this damage you're seeing now is purely the adult's eating the leaves it's the adults feeding it's direct feeding damage they're not laying eggs they don't do that till the end of September and into October they lay those eggs at the base of the plants particularly if it's still mild But having a good competitive forward crop when you get to that point of the eggs being laid and hatching gives you the best possible chance of getting a crop through to harvest. Now, the other thing I worried would happen this week has happened. I've got some winter wheat that's been drilled. Um, Thankfully, it's been uh, one of those varieties which has got barley yellow dwarf virus uh, tolerance because all of the virus vectors are out there the bird cherry oak, the grain aphid, rose grain aphids, all of which are capable of transmitting barley yellow dwarf virus in their saliva, we can find those quite easily, so for me, if you're drilling a variety which doesn't have BYDV tolerance, you, you want a couple of weeks yet, also of course you shouldn't be going anywhere near those fields which have blackgrass in them, and do expect if you drill winter wheat early in the season to have higher levels of disease in those crops, because that is an inevitability, the earlier drilling, the the higher the levels of disease that crop will carry and have to fend off all through the rest of the season. So think very carefully before you charge in with the drill. Best to manage your stale seed beds now. Manage that green bridge and use your glyphosate to control the rubbish before you put anything in the ground. Plan the pre-emergent strategies and the post-emergent herbicide strategies based upon the likely weed spectra in the field you're going to drill with wheat. And plan that nutrition and manage nutrition as well. Because the 2019 winter between 2030. September and the 31st of December was incredibly wet and of course we had that wettest February we've ever had in 2020 that will really have affected the amount of nutrition which is in the soil and the levels of available nutrition to any growing crop, soil levels of sulphur and nitrogen, magnesium and things like potassium which doesn't leach but does move in wet conditions will be very different to what they were this time last year and that's not to mention the issues of the structure underneath these soils as a result of that last 12 months rain when we've had over 5,000 tonnes of water per hectare pushing down on that substructure. So it might well be warm and dry now, but just remember, harvest has been the harvest it's been because of the weather that we've had. Don't ignore that. And you can see sugar beet is a perfect example. Much of the yellowing out there, the excessive yellowing, some of it's varietal, yes, but a lot of it will be nutritional and soil related. Salt mixes that were applied last autumn before all of that rain, for example, or were applied just before the rain we took in February. They may may well have moved all of that sulfur, sodium, magnesium, potassium down through the structure. So be aware of that as well. We need to get back to basics with these soils. We need the structure issues dealing with and nutritional issues dealing with because we need a good harvest in 2021. We haven't got a Brexit deal yet, so it's likely that everything we grow is going to be in the domestic market so on that basis alone, speak to your, uh, speak to the merchants, see what they want you to grow and grow that. So thanks for another good week of weather, Ellie. Um, I've got you booked in for the farming programme the 1st of August to the 15th of September next year and I'll speak to you then. We've got Steve back next week, so let's look forward to the weather that he brings with him over the next seven days.
0: Thanks, Sean. And you'll be pleased to know more Ellie Coddling weather is on the way as it does look like the good weather is set to continue. But the detailed forecast will be on the way later, along with the latest news from the young farmers and how they've kept busy during lockdown, plus the weekly grain report from Kit Dickinson.
3: The Week in Agriculture. This is the
0: Farming Programme. The Lincolnshire Young Farmers usually have a very busy calendar throughout the year, but with COVID-19 restrictions, how had the club and members managed to continue? Andy Marsh chats to Charlotte Garbutt, County Vice Chair, to find out more. When we first went into lockdown, obviously it was quite difficult because we're very much a
2: social organisation, so our members meet with their clubs weekly and we do have a lot of county activities on a regular basis. So what we had to do was improvise and a lot of that meant going online. So we did a lot of virtual activities such as uh, quizzes, bingo, etc., to make sure that we kept all our members together, staying in touch and feeling like they've got that support network around them.
5: And as you mentioned not everybody involved in agriculture but in terms of being a difficult time 2020 was there an advantage to those of you that were to perhaps share ideas and get talking about perhaps some of those issues?
2: Yes definitely I think particularly for a lot of farmers especially in the Lincolnshire and surrounding areas it hasn't been the easiest year from a crop growing point of view and actually having young farmers they're having that organisation where young people can talk to each other it created a sounding board for them to kind of share ideas share thoughts and concerns and really have a, a shoulder to lean on when things haven't been so great
5: and we do hear about how sometimes it can be a little bit difficult people do feel isolated if they're in the farming community and presumably that's one of the important things that has been going on in the last six months or so in terms of you keeping that going virtually
2: Yes, completely. I mean, every week we've, we're putting on activities, like I say, we'd try and find something, be it a quiz or we'd have one of our young farmers DJs play music for everybody and, and creating an opportunity for people to chat and keep in touch. Because it can be very lonely being on a farm and creating that network. Uh, we allowed our members to keep in touch with each other.
5: Now, are you still sort of holding sessions virtually or are you able to meet or perhaps in the near future maybe able to do that?
2: So at the moment, we're preparing for the new Young Farmers Year, which we have scheduled to start roughly around the beginning of October. Now, obviously, there have been some recent government guideline changes which may or may not affect what we can and can't do. If we're all meeting together as a a top table for the county to discuss basically what we're going to do going forward. Our main kind of elements of what we're going to be discussing is, one, making sure members are able to meet in a safe environment. Two, that we're complying, obviously, with the government guidelines. And we just want to make sure that our... Uh, club officers feel like they have the tools to be able to successfully meet, whether weekly or fortnightly, and get the young farmers' year up and running um, as we start as we mean to go on.
5: So, you're fairly confident that Young Farmers Organisation in Lincolnshire will keep going, keep thriving as we get through the pandemic and hopefully out the other side eventually?
2: Yes, completely. I mean, we've been really active. Virtually, so we've had some really good meetings and activities, and where we can, we'll still accommodate those. But our members are really positive, upbeat people who want to stay connected, want to be part of a a great organisation, and we want to do everything we can to facilitate that.
0: Thanks, Charlotte. And Steve will be catching up with the young farmers again in a few weeks' time to find out more about National Young Farmers Week. Over to Kit Dickinson from Open Field now for the grain report. Morning, Kit.
4: Well, good morning. In global news, Russia's agricultural consultancy has raised its forecast for Russia's 2020 wheat crop to 82.6 million tonnes from the previous estimate of 81.2 million. They are also predicting potentially higher exports than last season. The ruble is weakening, although not every customer likes the fast growth in values. On Thursday, Egyptian state-owned company Gask bought just one vessel of Russian wheat, a modest 55,000 tonnes, against the 530,000 tonnes the week before. Back in the UK, farm prices for wheat continue to follow futures up. In some cases, however, prices are now at futures parity. This is very rare to see, and long-term you would question how you could hedge forward bids. It is still possible that high prices will curb demand, but nobody is exactly sure when. Wheat continues to be cut in Lincolnshire and with a fine weather forecast ahead of us, the general feeling is harvest should be finished in the next week or 10 days. Still variable samples coming off the combines in terms of yield and quality. Moving on to oilseed rape, there's lots of talk about the need for China to continue to buy soya beans, which should underpin the whole oilseed complex, and also talk of what alternatives there are for a shortfall in EU rapeseed. I do know that Irith will open properly for intake, but we are going to struggle to find the physical rapeseed to supply their demand. Soybeans are the only commodity that the US funds are long of, and it is unlikely we will see a market collapse. Although the oilseed rape is not hugely bullish, I would, wouldn't be surprised if we see a rally at some point pre-Christmas. Feed barley has made small gains in comparison to wheat this week. There are boats due pre-Christmas, and you would suspect that bids will largely depend on how much is needed to fill those vessels. It still looks a very cheap feed source for domestic feed into the mill at present. Premiums for a max 185 nitrogen remain around £10 and £20 for a max 165 nitrogen. But molsters are currently remain relaxed. There is a big crop still to harvest and how much do they really need to buy is the question that we need to ask ourselves. We might be struggling but Scandinavia and other countries certainly are not. Moving on to prices this week for feed wheat September 173 to 174, November 175 to 177, February 177 to 179, May 179 to 181. Milling premiums are currently 20 to 22 pounds. Oilseed seed rate for September is 329 to 331, November 335 to 337, February 338 to 340, and May 21. 342 to 344. Feed barley for September is 125 to 127, November 127 to 129, February 130 to 132, May 132 to 134. Molting premiums are currently £10 for 185s and £20 for 165 nitrogens.
0: Thanks, Kit. It promises to be a lovely warm day today, but let's take a look at the detail in the five day forecast.
5: The Farming Program. Five-day forecast.
0: For today, we can expect a cloudy and partially sunny day with the sun breaking through around lunchtime leading to sunny intervals, a moderate south-southwesterly wind of around mid-teens miles per hour, top temperature of 23 degrees Celsius, and a relatively warm evening, overnight lows of 13 degrees Celsius. Tomorrow, it will be a bright sunny day with little cloud around until tea time, a gentle breeze from the south and a top temperature of 25 degrees Celsius, partially cloudy overnight with a low of only 15 degrees Celsius. Tuesday is set to be another lovely warm day of sunny intervals and a gentle breeze from the south-southwest, top temperature of 26 degrees and again warm evening and an overnight low of 15 degrees Celsius. Wednesday, we may see the odd isolated shower, but overall, a partially sunny and cloudy day with a gentle breeze and a top temperature of 22 degrees Celsius. Cloudy overnight with a low of 14 degrees Celsius. Thursday, it will be slightly cloudier than the previous days, but still a nice warm day of 20 degrees and a moderate southwesterly breeze. A cloudy night with a low of 14 degrees. And Friday, we end the week with a similar pattern to the rest of the week. Sunny intervals with a moderate breeze, temperatures reaching 20 degrees Celsius. Well, that sounds like a very nice week for mid-September and should see you keeping very busy. That's it for this week. Next weekend is Leafs Open Farm Virtual Weekend with plenty of content online for the Saturday and Sunday. This farming programme will be available as a podcast on the website, the app or from wherever you get your podcasts from. Steve will be back next Sunday morning so thank you for having me, I wish you a very successful autumn.